Hello and welcome to a special Project Zion podcast, Christmas edition, featuring Community of Christ President Scott Murphy and Prophet President Stephen Vesey sharing treasured Christmas memories and cherished family traditions from the time they were children until now as parents and grandparents. Our host, Linda Booth, also shares some favorite Christmas moments. Today's podcast features excerpts from full-length Coffee Buzz episodes originally posted in December 2021 and December 2020. Sit back with your favorite cup of Christmas cocoa and enjoy a wonderful trip down memory lane with Scott, Steve, and Linda. You'll be glad you did. It's it's always so good to be with you, my friend, especially to talk with you during the Advent, which reminds all of us as Christians of the sacred meaning of Christmas. Uh, despite the traditional family preparations taking place like buying and wrapping presents and decorating the tree and sending email and mail Christmas cards, etc., Advent reminds us to remember to wait for and prepare for the birth of Jesus. When you were growing up, how did you and your family prepare for Christmas? Yeah, well, Advent was not a, a, a tradition practice in, in the church and our family back when I was growing up in kind of the same way we do today in, in the life of the church. Um, I certainly have memories as a child of, of the Christmas story being explored in those weeks leading up to Christmas uh, following the, the Thanksgiving holiday in the U.S., so our preparation usually involved um, getting ready for the, the Christmas pageant that the congregation had each year. And, and usually myself and my brother and sister would participate in that at some level in some of the roles. Um, I remember, um, you know, the preparation and just the experience of, of going and caroling as part of the congregation and, and youth group. Um, which seems strange because I just don't see that happening a lot anymore. But, and then I think one of the final um, kind of experiences as a family uh, sharing in that time in preparation for Christmas was always um, participating together in that Christmas Eve service, um, followed by then coming home and sharing a, a special meal together. Um, so I have vivid memories as a kid, you know, like that growing up and, and how we would we would celebrate uh, Christmas in that way, probably in more of the, the traditional sense. Um, you know, some of my other memories growing up as a kid was um, always going up into the mountains to find a, a Christmas tree. So growing up and again, growing up out in Washington State, um, we could get a special permit from the Forest Service to go out and, and find a Christmas tree out in the forest and, and cut down. And, and uh, I re even remember one of those times that just really vivid in my memory of uh, we had gotten an early snow and tromping through the snow out looking for uh, a, a Christmas tree and in that way. So that was always fun until you had to, you cut it down and then had to haul it back to the car. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yes, I also remember that, um, you know, when I was really young, my, uh, my, my dad usually had to work on Christmas day if, if the holiday fell on a weekday and, 
And so the memories of, of those times of, of waking up really early um, so we could, as a family, uh, share in the, the gifts and opening the gifts before my dad had to leave for work and then anticipating um, the anticipation of him being able to come home after uh, later in the afternoon that we could share in that Christmas dinner together. So, yeah, a lot of those kind of memories, um, both in the traditional side and and again, the uh, the Advent side and how that would all come together was uh, was really a special time, especially since we didn't really have a lot of extended family around. So Christmas was really just, you know, my mom and dad and the, and the three siblings together. So that was it was a special time. And, and again, those were were really important um, periods for us and, and still really um, valued memories that I have. Oh, that sounds like a wonderful growing up. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't imagine you and Sandra and the boys go out and cut a Christmas tree, but do you continue any of those traditions with your two sons or were new traditions uh, added? Yeah, when Sandra and I began to have children, um, we did continue some of those traditions. You know, I, I did not grow up with, with grandparents um, because, you know, they were either deceased or, or lived far away when I was a, a young child. Um, so for Sandra and I, it was really important that we wanted our sons to have that connection with grandparents. So Christmas was always shared with my side of the family or Sandra's side of the family um, in that extended way that that was really an important time of connection for the boys with the grandparents and, and other family members. And even today, it it's it is usually my sons who initiate the question of when we will get the family together over Zoom. And and so that that still pleases me that that's still an important part, even though we're we're living in different parts of the, of the U.S. That that ability and that desire to be together. Um, Sandra and I would always spend the time reading the Christmas story during the Advent season with the boys. And maybe like a lot of parents with young children, we would have the Advent calendar or calendar, um, you know, that we would um, take part in each day as part of that, that journey up to Christmas. And then again, as part of the family sharing in that Christmas Eve service together. Prayer was always a a, a tradition, too, that came out of my family that um, I just always remember on Christmas morning, my my dad saying, let's pause and pray, um, prayer of of thankfulness uh, before we would open gifts. And that was a tradition that... um, we carried on uh, with with the boys. And so it was always that time of just pausing to be thankful about just life and other things before we we jumped in and started uh, opening gifts and sharing in that joyful moment. So I, uh, yeah, I remember those moments with the boys that was still really important. Yeah, we would, when the boys were still younger and we were still living out in Washington, we would, we continued the tradition of going out and cutting a Christmas tree. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that kind of changed when uh, when we moved to Iowa. Um, so it's not the same. But now that my youngest son, Michael, you know, lives back out in in Washington, it's a tradition that he is now doing with his his kids and family. So I uh, 
I, I enjoy hearing him talk about that. Um, I was surprised last year. This was this was something that just kind of caught me off guard. That our youngest son had called us up, and and at that time his his daughter was uh, his youngest daughter was about a year and a half at, at the point. And Michael asked if 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 Sandra and I still had this Christmas village kind of setting um, that we we used at Christmas when the boys were. Uh, growing up. And, you know, we would put that out every year. And and now with the young child, Michael said, I want, I want Lennon to be able to have that experience and, and to see that village in the manger and, and all of that growing up. And so sure enough, Sandra and I still had that. We don't, we didn't have it out that year and it was down in one of our boxes. So I went down, found it, packed it up and shipped it out to Michael and and he's now been using that with his family for uh, the last couple of years. And, and again, hearing the stories about our, our granddaughter, Lennon, who just every time they put that up, just loves to go and look at the lights in the little village and, and the manger and, and all of that. So it's really good. So that uh, that's good stuff. And, and uh, it's I, I think in terms of, you know, carrying on traditions now, what's interesting is watching our adult children now begin infusing other traditions that come from their, uh, their companions and their family. Um, and, and my oldest son, his, um, his wife is Jewish. And so they, they celebrated Hanukkah this year. Um, and so that's just a, a, another tradition kind of coming into his, his family experience. And so it's, it's been interesting to both watch, observe, and, and experience that as we as we take part with with both the boys and their families now. Yes, oh, that's marvelous. One of the traditions my husband Doug and I had with our three sons was always reading the story of Jesus's birth and the shepherds finding the baby lying in a manger, as told in the second chapter of Luke. And we always read it on Christmas Eve before they went to bed. We tried to read it on Christmas morning, but discovered. Uh, when they were little, that they didn't pay that much attention. So we would do it on Christmas Eve before they went to bed. And I also remember all the Christmas pageants at the Aletha, Kansas Community of Christ, when the boys would be shepherds and, <laughs> and uh, you know, wise men, and even upon occasion, Joseph. And often during the Advent worships, the scriptures would focus on the perspective of, for example, uh, what the innkeeper was thinking or the shepherds. Uh, do you resonate with one of the people in the scripture story? And if so, who and why? That's a yeah, really good question, Linda. As I, as I think about, you know, again, having used that scripture story as part of a dwelling in the word uh, spiritual practice, um, you know, at times over the years, um, I have found myself recognizing that in, in many ways, it probably depends on um, where my life is in, at certain times. Um, you know, so I, you know, I have moments of um, a profound disruption, um, you know, like, you know, as we have talked and I, as I've shared with, with the listeners in the past, you know, when my call to, to an apostle and then called a first presidency um, that were really disruptive. It, it's in those moments where I can really resonate with what Mary must have felt like, you know, to encounter, you know, God's messenger and, and you know, what, 
what what God was preparing to do in, in through her life. And, you know, there are moments in life when I I feel like I, I would resonate with the shepherds who were um, out doing their job and, and clueless to what was happening until something awakens them. Um, I definitely can think of times in my life when um, I would resonate with Joseph's initial reaction of just wanting to break free from the situation and not get caught up in the drama that could unfold. And, um, and there's been times when life just felt overwhelming that, um, you know, I, I, I had no room <laughs> in me. Um, so finding that connection with the innkeeper makes sense. So I, you know, that's in, in many ways, that's the value about the story. Um, I think what I, what I, find so meaningful is the story in its raw human life um, that occurs in multiple dimensions that get played out. Um, But ultimately in that story, all of those different human life and dimensions come together at a point of hope, you know, peace, joy, and love at, at the manger. Scott, I've enjoyed this conversation so much. Merry Christmas to you and your family, dear friend. And thank you for sharing your Christmas memories and traditions and for your great faith in God and dedication to God, God's people in the church. Thank you so much, my friend. Well, Merry Christmas to you and all the listeners, too. This year is almost over and we're in the Advent season of spiritual preparation to celebrate the Christ child's birth. Sunday, I participated in a congregation uh, Advent service focused on love, like most people did. (laughs) It was a lovely Zoom worship, but I missed hearing the voices around me singing the carols that we sang online where everyone was muted, Oh, Come All Ye Faithful and Silent Night. And it seems like I'm remembering more memories from the past. Perhaps it's because our family traditions will be different this year because of the health experts who are urging us to stay home or limit the number of family and friends who gather together. So the disruption of Christmas traditions has caused me to think about those past Christmases. And I've been thinking a lot about childhood memories. My brother Gary and sister Jan and I spending the night on Christmas Eve with our grandmother and grandfather Tim. And then uh, the next morning, driving to our home where mom would have breakfast ready and we'd open presents. How did you spend Christmas as a child growing up in Paris, Tennessee? <laughs> well, even as you were talking, I was having flashbacks of, of, of memories uh, of different aspects of that. And they're wonderful memories. Um, and just to review some of them. Um, uh, wonderful experiences at church with my faith family. Uh, those all kind of blend together, but worship experiences uh, around the Christmas season. A lot of candles, I seem to remember. Uh, the beautiful candles. Uh, visits to both sets of grandparents who fortunately lived not too far away, nearby. Uh, And we would go just before or on Christmas Eve. Uh, Christmas Day was primarily spent at home with our immediate family. I have a distinct memory of 
the Tennessee Kentucky District Choir coming to the Paris branch for a Christmas concert. And it stands out to me as a child, I think, before because it was the first time I heard the song that I can remember, Go Tell It on the Mountain. And, and the choir really leaned into it that Sunday, and I was impressed as a child. <laughs> so that, that has stuck with me ever since. Even the faces of the choirs, they were singing. Um, as a young boy, track into the woods with my hand axe and select a usually pretty scraggly cedar tree to bring home to be our family Christmas tree. One time I broke the top of the tree and I was quite distressed. I got it all the way home and the top was leaning at a right angle. I don't remember what we did, but we we always decorated the tree I brought home and somehow my folks had a way of, of making it look wonderful. And I still miss the smell of cedar. Uh, that whole experience <laughs> results in, I, I, I miss the smell of cedar trees associated with Christmas. But a particularly powerful memory is that every year, uh, my dad would, would take my brother and me to participate in a community service club fundraising effort that involved collecting money in in baskets at the major traffic intersections in Paris, Paris being what Paris is. Of course, those weren't interstates or, <laughs> or anything, but the major intersections, we would collect money and the money was used to purchase uh, boxes of food to take to what I remember us referring to as the down and out families in the community or the needy families in the, in the community. And to complete the experience, my dad would take my brother and I to distribute some of the boxes uh, to the families. And I have a distinct memory of driving up to a dilapidated home, barely hanging together and taking a box of food up and setting it on the porch um, and and experiencing children literally barging through the door and grabbing at the box and, and even tearing open packages of food and starting to eat uh, right there on the on the porch and that that's had a tremendous impact and that scene keeps coming back and back and it really balances out the more consumer oriented uh consumption (laughs) uh aspects of christmas for me so i'm always aware of people in need (laughs) that's part of who i am to this day yes I'm thankful you had that experience. I had several types of experiences like that growing up. Too. Yeah. Did any of those childhood traditions continue when you and Kathy married? Well, we've always had a, um, 
a beautiful Christmas tree that's primarily due to Kathy's effort. Um, and, and although the people shifted over time because of uh, me becoming a part of Kathy's family and being some distance away from my family in Tennessee, so different people were involved, but always the experience of spending time with family and making a point of being together, usually sharing a meal, but being together uh, continued and continues to this day. I was just talking with one of our grandsons yesterday about about Christmas, and he was wanting to know why we give gifts, which was a wonderful opportunity for me to talk about the Christmas story and the wise men. And, and then I shifted into my theological mode and said, of course, the greatest gift was Jesus Christ that, that God gave us, and that's a reason we give gifts. And, and I said, ultimately, we give the gift of our lives to each other. And uh, I realized I, I had probably exceeded what he was expecting in response to his to his answer, but uh, it, it reaffirmed for both of us the importance of of being together. Yeah, um, from second grade through high school, my family and I attended Stone Church, which for Coffee Buzz listeners who's been in Independence, that's the Stone, old stone church across the street from the auditorium in Independence, Missouri. And I have fond memories of sitting together. And whenever anyone would pray, my dad would link hands. We'd all hold hands. Um, we talked about choirs. Stone Church always had an incredible choir. And I remember uh, the, how they sang this uh, Christmas carols during the Advent season. I remember going uh, on with the Zions League to to sing carols to church members. And as an adult, I remember Mark and Karen Kendrick decorating the Olathe congregation in Olathe, Kansas during the Advent season. And every Sunday they added another fantastic element. I don't mean something small. I mean something amazingly beautiful to the nativity or to the building. And I also remember candles, Christmas Eve candlelight services where the Holy Spirit just seemed to be tangible. I know you've already mentioned a little bit about worships when you were growing up. Um, can you, do you remember some of your favorite Advent worship memories in particular? Well, we always had some kind of, of children's Christmas program, and having the opportunity to participate in that was meaningful, having various uh, roles to play uh, in that. Uh, but I, I, I hate to admit it, but in growing up in, in Paris, we didn't have Advent specific worship services like we do now <laughs> related to the liturgical calendar. We, we really didn't know what that was. <laughs> the, uh, liturgical calendar didn't really cause us to have a certain schedule with certain themes. But what I remember is as we entered December in the worship services, Christmas hymns would begin to appear with increasing uh, number. 
And that was a signal we're moving towards Christmas. So I, I guess the effect was kind of the same. <laughs> you, you develop expectations for what is coming. And all of that grew in number and focus until just before Christmas. I think I mentioned previously about some of the singing in the district and the congregation or branch uh, then. The congregation I grew up in was extremely gifted with uh, good singing and musicians, some who were teachers involved in music education. So we were really blessed. And we had one person who who was really a beautiful vocalist. And <laughs> he sounded a lot like Elvis Presley, which which really <laughs> which really made an impact. And whenever he his name appeared in the bulletin I remember either my mother or grandmother, one of them would say, oh, it's going to be a good one today. <laughs> Just referring to the worship. And a little side note, I remember often when he sung, people in the congregation would say, well, I sure hope he'll sing at my funeral. And that's, <laughs> that's kind of a Southern thing because your funeral is the last chance to make a good impression on everybody else. So I remember music, I guess is what I'm saying. Beautiful, beautiful hymns. Uh, and, and that is really what stitches together the whole fabric of, of my memories of, of Christmas. Yes. Yeah, those those Christmas carols, e even like last Sunday when they had a video of oh, Come All You Faithful and Silent Night in the place of our congregational singing. When you hear those songs, they bring back just the flood of warmth mm -hmm. and love and, and memories. Those carols do connect us in very powerful ways to the story of Jesus's birth. Yes. Absolutely. Steve, what are some of your hopes for the church as you anticipate the new year? Well, I, I, I hope that people will have even more hope because there's reasons for that hope that they sense and, and see. Um, I, I hope we won't just return to normal uh, I, I hope we will be, we will thoroughly think about and discuss what, what have we learned about the nature of our lives, uh, creation, uh, min ministry, uh, church life in the midst of difficult times, and, and apply that experience to um, a broader and more effective array of how we do mission, uh, ministry, and outreach around the world. I think we've discovered uh, some new depths of need as well as some new resources for uh, expressing the love and peace of Christ throughout the world. So I hope we maintain significant online ministries at every aspect of church life. Um, and I especially hope we use that to make us even more connected as a worldwide church family. 
Um, we, we primarily experience local expressions of the church if we're involved, but one of the, the blessings and strengths of Community of Christ is it keeps us connected globally, which I think causes us to be more in harmony with God's understanding of creation and how God loves the whole world. And that's one of the gifts that Community of Christ offers. Um, I hope we've been spiritually deepened by this difficult and challenging time uh, in ways that will allow us to even more authentically live the passions of Christ. Uh, it's often in times of suffering or in association with people who are suffering that it, we get in touch with the deeper, more essential aspects of the gospel that sustain people, that bring healing and hope into their lives. And I hope that this experience helps us be even more sensitive to the suffering and struggling of people in the world, and that it's revealed to us both the depth of what that is, but also helped us discover as a church even more capacity to offer uh, ministry. And I, I guess I hope that as a church, uh, we will continue to discover our future as a spiritual movement engaged in Christ-inspired community building, especially communities that produce justice, both within the church and in the larger community. And, and I hope that all of this results in that kind of continued transformation in the life of the church. So that would be some of my hopes. Absolutely. Yes. Well, I thank you, dear friend, for sharing your reflections on the past and a little bit about your family memories <laughs> of past Christmases. And especially I'm thankful for your sharing your hopes for the future, which appears if we live that hope to its fullest will make a difference and transform uh, not only our lives, but our uh, communities and our neighborhoods as well. So Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and your family. And, and thank you, Coffee Buzz listeners, for joining our conversation. May your journey through this holy season be filled with God's love, joy, hope, and peace. And may the good memories of past Christmases bring you joy and renewed hope for the next year. All of us here at Project Zion Podcast wish you and yours a blessed 12 days of Christmas and a very happy new year. Thanks so much for sharing part of your holiday with us. This is Robin Linkhart, and you are listening to Project Zion Podcast. Go out and make the world a better place. Take good care. Bye-bye.